Hi, I'm Jenny. And I'm Christina. We're two sisters who started our own separate businesses, and we have now come together to share all things business growth and personal growth. Every week, we will share practical business tips that we have learned along the way. We're also ready to dive deep and help you feel less alone as we chat all about navigating running a business while also running a household. So grab a drink and join our sisterhood as we discuss all things womanhood, motherhood, and small business. Today, we're going to be talking about the Enneagram. And for those of the of you who know us personally, you know we both are big fans of the Enneagram. I actually discovered the Enneagram because of Jenny and her husband. They introduced my husband and I to the Enneagram about six or seven years ago. So we've both been discovering more about it um, over the last seven years. So we are not experts by any means. There are a lot of experts we're going to reference at the end of the podcast, some of our favorite resources. But because of the growth we've seen in ourselves and the people around us, it keeps us very intrigued in the Enneagram and discovering more about it. So I'm just going to give you a little overview of the Enneagram and the Enneagram. Most people have heard of it by now. It's become very popular in the last few years because it is a great tool to not only understand yourself, but also see the lens or view of the people around you and how they interpret the world around them. It's a personality tool that doesn't tell you the what, but the why. So Uh, A personality test like the Myers-Briggs tells you your behaviors, but the Enneagram tells you, well, why do I do those behaviors or what's my motive behind my actions? So you might feel as we go through the podcast and talk about all the different numbers, you might feel like you have characteristics of every number and you might, but it doesn't really matter the behaviors. It's your motive behind the behaviors. And we'll give you some links at the end to take a test if you'd like to see what you are. The Enneagram is, like I said, relating to self-discovery. You get to discover your growth and your not so healthy growth moments. And you get to... When someone else tells you their number, you're able to interpret how they might be hearing what you're saying or seeing the world around them. You... It's really important you don't type people. I'm guilty of this sometimes of, oh, I think they're a nine or whatever. But because it's so much about self-discovery, you really don't want to type someone. You want them to figure out their own type themselves. The way your type is figured out is you have three centers. You have a feeling center, a thinking center, and a doing center. And so when you're in adolescent age, you don't mature one of those. And so the rest of learning about the Enneagram is growth and maturing that third center. And so it's super interesting to figure out which one you are. And like, like I said, they said it's adolescent time. So even if you try to type your kids, usually they don't really have a type until they're discovering themselves in adolescence. So there are nine Enneagram types And like Christina said, you'll hear about them and kind of think, oh, that could be me. That could be me. I remember being like that the first time. But actually, it's because like the nine types make up a whole. 
So you, you probably do have pieces of all of them, but it's finding the one that's most relatable to you and like your initial reaction or response to things. Um, so people also, you're usually, I've heard that you're usually most, um, what's the word, like turned off by the number that you are, because again, it's going to be those pain points that are more of um, an area of growth for you. So there's good and bad in every number. There's not one number that's better than the others or one that's, um, you know, higher level consciousness or anything. There are strengths and weaknesses to all the numbers. And so that's what's so helpful about finding your Enneagram type is because it helps you know, okay, these are the ways I am really strong. And then these are the ways that I can just be aware of and work on that are going to help me relate to the world and to other people. So something I find really helpful with the Enneagram, especially because that I do live with anxiety is it, um, it shows you when you're living in health um, versus when you're living in stress or fear. So for example, my Enneagram number six, I know certain things that come up for me. I can tell like, oh, I'm being a healthy six right now. Or, oh, this means I'm operating out of a place of stress or feel fear. And it helps you to kind of realign yourself. Yeah. And there, that's the best part of the Enneagram is the, the personal part where you can look and say like, okay, what am I stressed or afraid of right now that I'm, I've, I've heard it said before that that, num- that part of your number is when you're protecting yourself from something. And so that's been really helpful. Um, we're going to talk more about our numbers, but I'm a two, which means I have a lot of eight attributes when I'm protecting myself. And 2020 has brought out a lot of eight in me. And so I can really look and say like, okay, I'm protecting myself from something you know, how can I find growth in this? Um, and so that's a really good segue into the wings. And so you'll hear people, if you know people into the Enneagram, they'll say, oh, I'm a six wing seven, or I'm an eight wing nine, or I'm a two wing three. And you're probably like, what are these wings? So think of the Enneagram, like a color, like a spectrum, the color spectrum. And each number is like on the number line, the color spectrum. And then you, it's like shades of color where if you're a three and you go lean a little bit towards four, then you're more of that shade of color. And then a three wing two would be the other shade. And so your wing can only be a number next to your number. So if I identify as a two, I'm either going to be a two wing one or a two wing three. And there's also something where you have even wings. And what that means is you just have behavior traits of one of the numbers next to you. But again, your motive is that main core number. I'm a two wing three and Jenny is a five wing six, uh, sorry, six wing five. So um, the wings are just that shade of color that kind of um, form you, identify you a little bit even more than just your number. And when we go through the number types, uh, we'll tell you what each subtype is called or wing type is called. And each wing you can kind of, so your number most likely stays your number your whole life, but your wings, you can, depending on your season of life, can kind of like, like a wing, like you wing over to one or you wing over to another, because I know for me, um, so as a six, 
Most of the time I wing to five, but if I am feeling really confident and secure in my surroundings, then I can wing over into that seven, which is more like uh, happy-go-lucky and life of the party. I don't often go over there, but I can like swing back and forth. So your wings kind of are flexible, but like Christina said, it's only the number on either side of your number. You don't like jump around the Enneagram. Uh, really... I t- I, whenever I discovered the Enneagram, I really went back and forth between a two and a seven. And some people think that that would mean my wing is a seven because I have both, but that's not the case. I had to look at my motives and realized sevens, their motive is keeping everyone happy. They like to avoid pain. And like Jenny said, just life of the party, everybody be happy around them. Whereas a two wants everyone to like them and to feel needed. And so when it came down to it, I had attributes of both of those, but I knew I would rather feel needed and valued in that way than keep everybody happy. So that's just kind of an example of behaviors looking really similar, but the motive being different. And then as we go through the numbers too, there are something called subtypes. So you might say like, oh, I have three friends who are twos and they're all very different. And that is totally normal. And you can dive so deep into the Enneagram. You can go as deep as you would like to, but there's subtypes where each number is actually divided into like a social of that number. Um, I think one is sexual and I forget the other one. I think self-preservation. Self-preservation. And just a preface to all of this, like the Enneagram is not just a 25 minute podcast episode. Like it is such a huge, I remember the first time I learned about the Enneagram, I like broke down and cried because it is, it's such a valuable tool, but it can be so useful and worth exploring. So you're going to hear us like kind of just give a, like a 5,000 foot overview of this, but you can definitely like dive deeper on your own. And it's definitely worthwhile doing that. Yes. Yes. So we'll go through a quick summary of each number. And you, like Jen said, you might feel like, oh, that's me or um, oh, that's not me, but definitely go more into depth if you would like to, to discover uh, which one you might be. And we'll talk after that about how it's affected us personally. So Jen, you want to start with the one? Sure. So number one is called the reformer. And the reformer, some words to describe type one would be principled, purposeful, self-controlled, and perfectionistic. So a brief overview of type one They're conscientious and ethical with a strong sense of right and wrong. They are teachers, crusaders, and advocates for change, always striving to improve things, but afraid of making a mistake. They're well-organized, orderly, and fastidious, and they try to maintain high standards, but can slip into being critical and perfectionistic. They typically have problems with resentment and impatience. At their best, type ones are wise, discerning, realistic, and noble. They can be morally heroic. So then their basic fear, they're fearful of being corrupt, evil, or defective. So that like ties back into fearful of making mistakes. And their basic desire is to be good, to have integrity, and to be balanced. 
And I will do type two. So type two is the helper. And twos are empathetic, sincere, and warm-hearted. They are friendly, generous, and self-sacrificing, but can also be sentimental, flattering, and people-pleasing. They are well-meaning and driven to be close to others, but can slip into doing things for others in order to be needed. They typically have problems with possessiveness and with acknowledging their own needs. At their best, they're unselfish and altruistic. They have unconditional love for others. Their basic fear is of being unwanted or unworthy of being loved. And their basic desire is to feel loved. The Enneagram 2 with a one wing is described as a servant. And the Enneagram 2 with a three wing is the host and hostess. And Jen, I'm going to start also saying where that number goes in growth and then stress. So twos, when they're in growth, they go to four. And twos in stress go to eight. And the one, just to go back real quick, the one in growth goes to seven. And the one in stress goes to four. And Christina is a type two, if you didn't catch that earlier. (laughs) I am a type two. (laughs) We'll talk more about how that goes into business and marriage and all of the things. Yeah, yes, that because the Enneagram is really helpful in how you relate to other numbers as Mm -hmm. well. Okay, so type three is the achiever. So some words to describe type three, the success-oriented, pragmatic type. They're adaptable, excelling, driven, and image conscious. So the type three in brief, threes are self-assured, attractive, and charming. They're ambitious, competent, and energetic, and they can be status conscious and highly driven for advancement. They are diplomatic and poised, but can also be overly concerned with their image and what others think of them. They typically have problems with workaholism and competitiveness. But at their best, they're self-accepting, authentic, everything they seem to be, role models who inspire others. And the three's basic fear is of being worthless. And their basic desire is to feel valuable and worthwhile. Um, Enneagram three with a two wing would be known as the charmer. And Enneagram three with a four wing is the professional. And we're going to share the growth. Yeah, the three in growth goes to six and the three in stress goes to nine. And then the four is the individualist. Fours uh, are sensitive, withdrawn type, expressive, dramatic, self-absorbed, and temperamental. They are self-aware, sensitive, and reserved. They are emotionally honest, creative, and personal, but can also be moody and self-conscious. Withholding themselves from others due to feeling vulnerable and defective, they can also feel disdainful and exempt from ordinary ways of living. They typically have problems with melancholy, self-indulgence, and self-pity. At their best, they're inspired and highly creative. They are able to renew themselves and transform their experiences. Their basic fear is that they have no identity or personal significance. Their basic desire is to find themselves and their significance to create an identity. The Enneagram 4 with a 3-wing is known as the aristocrat. And the Enneagram 4 with a 5-wing is known as the bohemian. The 4 in growth goes to 1. 
And the four in stress goes to two. And then type five is the investigator. And Christine and I are both married to fives. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we're very familiar with how fives operate. Um, (laughs) But their words that describe them are intense, cerebral type. They're perceptive, innovative, secretive, and isolated. And type five in brief, fives are alert, insightful, and curious. They are able to concentrate and focus on developing complex ideas and skills. They're independent, innovative, and inventive. They can also become preoccupied with their thoughts and imaginary constructs. They become detached, yet they're high, strong, and intense. They typically have problems with eccentricity. There's a reason this is in the five. I don't even know what nihilism, N-I-H-I-L-I-S-M, and isolation. At their best, they're visionary pioneers, often ahead of their time, and they're able to see the world in an, an entirely new way. So the five's basic fear is being useless, helpless, or incapable. And their basic desire is to be capable and competent. An Enneagram 5 with a four wing is known as the iconoclast. Yeah, don't know what that is. (laughs) Oh, Michael's going to make so much fun of me. Enneagram (laughs) 5 with a six wing is the problem solver. (laughs) And stay tuned because we are going to talk about how this affects our marriage and all of that, because if you couldn't tell the two and the five are very different human beings. (laughs) Um, But the five in growth goes to eight and the five in stress goes to seven. And then the six is the loyalist and some words to describe the loyalist is the committed security oriented type. They're engaging, responsible, anxious, and suspicious. They are the committed security-oriented type. Sixes are reliable, hardworking, responsible, and trustworthy. They're excellent troubleshooters. They foresee problems and foster cooperation, but can also become defensive, evasive, and anxious, running on stress while complaining about it. They can be cautious and indecisive, but also reactive, defiant, and rebellious. They typically have problems with self-doubt and suspicion. At their best, they're internally stable and self-reliant, courageously championing themselves and others. Their basic fear is of being without support and guidance, and their basic desire is to have security and support. The Enneagram 6 with a 5-wing is the defender, and the Enneagram 6 with a 7-wing is the buddy. And 6s go to 9 in growth and 3 in stress. And Jenny is a 6, a 6-wing 5 for the most part. Yes. Okay, type 7, the enthusiast. So some words for type seven, the busy, variety-seeking type, spontaneous, versatile, acquisitive, and scattered. So sevens are extroverted, optimistic, versatile, and spontaneous. They're playful, high-spirited, and practical. They can also misapply their many talents, becoming overextended, scattered, and undisciplined. They constantly seek new and exciting experiences, but can become distracted and exhausted by staying on the go. They typically have problems with impatience and impulsiveness. 
At their best, they focus their talent on worthwhile goals, becoming appreciative, joyous, and satisfied. The basic fear of a seven is of being deprived and in pain. And then the basic desire is to be satisfied and content to have their needs fulfilled. An Enneagram seven with a six wing is the entertainer. And an Enneagram seven with an eight wing is the realist. Enneagram sevens go to five in growth and one in stress. And I forgot to mention this earlier, but that's part of the reason why I also could decide I was a two instead of a seven because I could see where I went in protection mode in stress and fear and where I went in growth. And it wasn't either of the seven um, stress or growth points. So that's something too. If you're between a few numbers, you should look at where you go in protection mode. I think we see protection mode way more than our growth points. So protection of ourselves, right? Protection of ourselves. Yeah. 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 Where you go in stress and fear is often uh can often help you understand maybe what your core number is if you're between two of the numbers. Eight is the challenger, and it's the powerful, dominating type, self-confident, decisive, willful, and confrontational. Eights are self-confident, strong, and assertive, protective, resourceful, straight-talking, and decisive, but can also be egocentric and domineering. Eights feel they must control their environment, especially people, sometimes becoming confrontational and intimidating. Eights typically have problems with their tempers and with allowing themselves to be vulnerable. At their best, they're self-mastering. They use their strength to improve others' lives, become becoming heroic, magnanimous, magna, I don't know how to say that, magnanimous, and inspiring. <laughs> Their basic fear is of being harmed or controlled by others, and their basic desire is to protect themselves, to be in control of their own life and their own destiny. Enneagram 8 with a 7 wing is called the Maverick, and the Enneagram 8 with a 9 wing is the Bear. And 8s go to 2 in growth and 5 in stress. And the last type is type 9, and they are known as the Peacemaker. So they're easygoing, uh, receptive, reassuring, agreeable, and complacent. Nines are accepting, trusting, and stable. They're usually creative, optimistic, and supportive. But they can also be too willing to go along with others to keep the peace. They want everything to go smoothly and be without conflict. But they can also tend to be complacent, simplifying problems, and minimizing anything upsetting. They typically have problems with inertia and stubbornness. At their best, they're indomitable and all-embracing. They are able to bring people together and heal conflicts. Their basic fear is of loss and separation. And their basic desire is to have inner stability, peace of mind. Enneagram 9 with an 8-wing is the referee. And Enneagram 9 with a 1-wing is the dreamer. And Enneagram nines in health and growth go to three and in stress or fear go to six. And so those are just short descriptions. We got them from the Enneagraminstitute.com. Feel free to head over there and get full on lots of descriptions um, for each number. And the interesting thing is it also tells you what... um, each Enneagram type at their very unhealthiest, what mental um, 
I don't know how to say it politically correct, but like mental illness, what mental illness is with each type, which is really interesting because I've shared before that I have struggled with an eating disorder and that's actually the unhealthiest version of a two tends to um, struggle with eating disorders, which I find very interesting um, with all of that, but you can, it's a very interesting website and we're going to be listing all the resources we like, but the Enneagram Institute is one of my most favorites. Um, and so and you we're, can go there and take a test to like, a yes. And there is a test. Find out your number. I do tell people though, the test can be wrong because you test how you want to be instead of how you truly are. So unless you're in a space where you can really test for what you really feel, think and feel, then you can take a test. Otherwise, just reading through all the synopsises, if you go to the website, you should be able to read through them and identify which one you are. Um, but a test is great if you're willing to be real and honest with yourself. Yeah, because it's usually going to be the way you don't want to answer. That is what you should answer to get an accurate result. <laughs> right. And so um, we can talk a little bit about how the Enneagram has helped us. And I'll say starting off the bat, like I love my husband more than life itself. Um, But the Enneagram was, we found out about it a few years after getting married. And I can tell you it like changed the trajectory, trajectory. That's a really hard word (laughs) of our marriage because he and I are, we see the world very differently because of our types and because of how we were made. And because of our, we have completely different centers that aren't matured. And so, um, the Enneagram helped both of us. My husband got into the Enneagram, Enneagram as well. And it really helped us see it from the other person's lens, which has helped so much. And when I find out my friends' numbers, again, they have to tell me I can't type them. But when I find out their numbers and know, for instance, I have one of my very best friends is an Enneagram 8. She likes things to be... She's a straight shooter. Like If I'm going to communicate something to her, I know I don't have to dance around it. Like I can just say how I feel or say what's happening. And she prefers that. And then I have friend, several friends who are nines. And so I know... Okay, I'm going to cater to their feelings a little bit. You know, it just helps me be a better friend and a better wife. And hopefully one day when my kids are typed, I can be a better mom knowing exactly what they need in their number. I agree. I feel like we're just naturally such a um, self-centered species. And so uh, that's what changed for me too, to realize that there are other perspectives. There are other like natural bents to how you think and feel. And that it actually gives me, helps you have more empathy um, in conflict and things like that, because mm-hmm. you're realizing like, oh, these people, they're not just trying to be mean. They actually see the world differently. And like you mm-hmm. said about, so um, six, I'm a six and oh, just very suspicious in nature. Um, helping myself understand that about myself was actually really freeing too, that, Oh, I'm just automatically going to be suspicious of people like to be aware of bring awareness to that helps me Mm -hmm. then to not be suspicious. If that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Like, because then I know like, Oh, that's my natural tendency. So maybe this person isn't, maybe I'm assuming the worst because that's my like natural pattern in doing that. Yes. 
Yeah. And I, I mentioned this earlier, but I'm a two, which means I go to eight in stress and fear and four in health. And I can see, and this is like moment by moment, day by day. So you can be like really healthy one day and then the next day be stressed and fear, fearful. And so it's just a constant pattern of wanting to be in growth and wanting to be healthy in your number. Um, but like I said, 2020 was very hard for me because the eight piece is the social justice piece. And so it, but my eight isn't always, actually my eight is never healthy because it's my, I only go there in protection mode. So I have to, one thing I'm learning in, in therapy is the four piece of mine is being able to identify my needs and what feelings I have and like sitting in those feelings, like a four would, um, fours are very emotional, <laughs> like we said earlier. And so that's been really helpful instead of necessarily using anger as my expression, being able to sit and I at least identify like, okay, I'm very angry about this and here's why. And sitting in that four space is a lot of growth for me. And I've gotten the the reason why I think the Enneagram is important is because when you're aware that that's what someone else needs, it actually makes you a better leader. It makes you a better friend. It makes you just a better human because I, I hate so much when someone who's not wired like me says, you can't sit in your feelings. You can't like, you're stop being emotional. Stop. You know, when when people say that, that's telling me not to go to the healthy space for my number. And so that was something I really struggled with this past year was people saying like, you can't sit there. You can't be in your feelings. Um, and again, that's why therapy is helping me. But uh, it's so important to know how somebody is interpreting the world because what you need might not be what they need. Yeah, I think that's what such a, makes the Enneagram such a beautiful tool because not only is it a helpful tool for you to examine yourself. And so examining, okay, I need to, this means I am in stress right now. So how do I get back to a healthy part? But then it's actually using the other numbers to bring you to a healthy part, if that makes sense. So like yeah. you're seeing the value of a four, knowing how to sit in their feelings helps a two to get back to healthy. Whereas mm -hmm. like, um, a six, I can see the value of a nine in living in peace and not being anxious about everything. So that a nine is helped the, the qualities of a nine helps bring me back to peace. So mm -hmm. I just feel like how it all, it's not only just a self-examination tool, but it helps mm -hmm. you see the value of the other numbers. It helps you in relationships. Like you were saying about eights, eights are actually on the Enneagram, I feel like the eights are the furthest from who I am. Like <laughs> I avoid conflict at all costs. So, and I do not, um, <laughs> I know. And so the eights I've just learned to really love and value because as you read more into the Enneagram, you realize that an eight, their conflict isn't mean. Like I understand conflict. Their conflict is they want you to like rise up and meet them. And mm -hmm. that's how they feel. Your love is like, you're willing to go into combat with them. And that yes. was like life-changing for me to realize like, oh, I understand conflict as bad, but they understand conflict as good. So how can I reframe how I see conflict and that it's yes. not bad? 
I love that. And my best friend who's an eight, she's like, just meet my intensity. Like, yeah, (laughs) she's like, I just need you to meet my intensity right now. And I love that. And again, an eight is a piece of who I am. So I can. Um, But what's interesting too, is my husband is a five, which means he goes to seven in stress and eight in health. And so he's actually in health a healthy eight and I'm an unhealthy eight in stress. (laughs) So you can imagine like how that goes between us. Like we are not, we are, uh, we're not afraid to have conflict, but he sees health conflict in the way you're describing it, where I see it as you're just against me. And, um, so again, that's been, um, cool for us to navigate and it's with him. I can tell because I know his stress number. I'm like, okay, what's going on? Was it a hard day at work? What, you know, so being aware of what somebody is and where they're at it. I know Melissa's number, my, my co-owner, and that's really helpful because I can kind of gauge where she's at. I know how to communicate with her. She knows how to communicate with me. Um, so we know all of our families, Enneagrams, yeah. uh, our, our parents have identified theirs and our sister and I obviously know my brother-in-laws very well. Um, And I think Jen, have your, she has two teenagers. Have they typed? Yeah, they have. They have. And it it just helps. Again, you're not, they say you're not really supposed to type your kids because kids, you're still developing your whole person. And so so you don't want to like pigeonhole them into anything. But mine um, when they were able to take the test for themselves, they did. And it does, I think it's pretty accurate in the things that I see for them. And that even helps me as a mom to know, okay, this is how they're seeing the world. This is why this is bothering them. This is why when they're angry and upset, I'm seeing them react like this. And that means mm-hmm. they're angry, upset without yes. them saying like, I'm angry and upset. So mm-hmm. that has helped me. Yeah, it just really helped. It just, um, it almost like diffuses, um, it's not um, hardship because we all have hardship, in, but it, it does, it just gives you new, fresh eyes that feel like, oh, okay. It doesn't feel like yes. anyone's against you. It feels like, oh, there's just a different way to come at this than I've always thought. Yes. Is right. Yes. I love that you said that because that's so true thinking on this last year. Like I can get, like I said, in protection mode, I can get stuck in my ways. And so to think of like, everyone is doing what they, what's growth for them in this year. And so to that, that's why I love telling people about the Enneagram. Melissa makes fun of me because anytime we meet people, I'm like, have you heard about the Enneagram? (laughs) But it's because I want them to know their number so I can like interact with them better. Because should we start sharing? Because we should share about the book all about interacting with other numbers, like share other resources that are helpful. We can share and then we'll go back to we'll end with how it's affected our businesses because your number does play a part into how you oh, yeah. do you wanna do you wanna do that now? I jumped ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well we'll share our resources because definitely get a pen and paper. This will give you time mm-hmm. to or write it in your notes app. Um, like I said, all of our resources from today are from the Enneagram Institute. It's Enneagraminstitute.com. One of my most favorite resources that I've used, their type descriptions are so detailed and so great. And you can actually put in their website two different types. So if you know you and your husband's types or you and your partner's types, you can put them in the 
the type descriptions and it will show you how you interact with each other. And ours is spot on. If you just want to have a comic relief of your day, um, go search the Enneagram two and the Enneagram five. Um, because I went to a book signing with one of the books we're going to recommend one of my favorite humans. And I told her I'm an Enneagram two married to an Enneagram five. And she just looked at me and was like, wow, (laughs) because they're, we didn't get to talk about, but there's a a heart. Jenny, help me with the centers. Oh yeah. The cent- so the center, I don't remember which is which, but like one, twos and threes all operate from the heart, the heart. And then four, five, six, I think are head, head. And then seven, you like live in your head and then mm-hmm. seven, eight, nine are gut. Like you're, you go based on like what your gut feels like. Yes. And right? so we're, I yeah, that. that is right. And so we both are in different sections of that. And then also I talked about the feeling, thinking and doing center and we're in opposite ones of those. So it's, we just have to learn a lot about each other, but like I said, this has been a great tool for that. Yes. And it's, I've never put this together before that you guys are different than us. So the hardship for Michael and I is we are this like he's a five wing six and I'm a six wing five. So our, both we just have very very similar unhealth parts so like it's hard to get out of it when we're both in the like sometimes we can get stuck there because we both are we similarly see things whereas like when you are have an you have an opposite you can each pull each other out of certain things so like Michael and I'm trying to think of one of the um, well, we are, we live in our heads and everything's overthinking and anxious. So like if we're both in our in overthinking space. anxious space, it's kind of hard um, to pull out of it so that we've had to really lean in to see like when we're seeing it in ourselves and how we can help the other person because that doesn't come naturally when we're both in the anxious place. That's good. Yeah, because we're just opposite where I, so fives do not, people drain fives, mm -hmm. even a handshake. And that's something I had to learn because we would go somewhere and I'd introduce Tyler to one of my friends. He doesn't mind, but that literally soaks energy from him. And so Mm -hmm. when I was doing it over and over again, it just depletes him. And so, and then on the opposite of that, if he just wants to hang alone all the time, I need people. And so Mm -hmm. I don't, I'm going to want friends to come over, which is going to drain him. And so it's just kind of like a cycle. So we've had to learn, like I pull him out of, I I make him go out of his comfort zone. Sometimes I'm very careful about it, but, and then he will be like, let's just stay. Can we hang at home? Can we just be together? Cause he has his pocket of five people, myself and my sons. And he doesn't like to roam out of that very much, which I, that's another reason why I wish people would find the Enneagram because a lot of people take that as be like mean and right, interpret right. my husband wrong when I'm like, no, that's just how he sees the world. Like, yeah. And not it being actually mean. drains his energy, like you're saying. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so that's where that's, that's a good example for Michael and me. Cause we both don't like to go out into the world. <laughs> so we would just like live in a cave if we didn't <laughs> try to like help each other out of that. Our kids 
our kids are what pull us out of that. I feel like. Yeah. And y'all have a seven son. So he's going to be super social. Yes. (laughs) Um, Another Enneagram research resource that I love (laughs) is Enneagram Ashton on Instagram. She'll post a lot of graphics that help you understand your number a little bit more. So definitely give her a follow. She's awesome. And then... um, Jenny kind of mentioned this book before. Um, Yes. So the path between us and the road back to you. So the road back to you is probably what I would read first Mm -hmm. um, because that is discovering your Enneagram. And that again, like the title says, the Enneagram's purpose is to like pull you back into the best person you were created to be, to like Mm -hmm. wholeness. Um, Mm -hmm. And then the path between us is, the same author along with so Ian Morgan Cron, right? Uh, Suzanne Stabile. And then Suzanne Stabile is who his co-author for uh-huh. The Path Between Us, which is uh-huh. like Christina was saying, all about how your number interacts with other numbers and relationships mm-hmm. in your life, which is really helpful. We've looked up like how twos and sixes interact. Uh-huh. And, and our sisters at three. Sister. Yeah. Powers. It's just really, really fascinating. It brings such a depth to your relationships because again, you just, it opens your eyes to a whole nother perspective. Um, yeah. We'll, at things. we'll text each other and in our sister group and be like, I realized I'm an unhealthy eight today. <laughs> we'll say that because I'll come in and just be super fiery about something. Um, although my sisters love, I love when Christina is an eight. It is. The best. <laughs> it's just not my, it doesn't bring me wholeness. As Cause I don't feel like you come, you're never an eight, like at Ellie or me. It's always in defense of us or someone you love. So that's why we're like, we love the eight. And everyone who follows my personal social media is like, yes, we see that. Um, <laughs> see the eight. We love the Enneagram Journey podcast and Instagram. That's again, Suzanne Stabile, who wrote those books. She has the most peaceful voice you've ever heard. She's also an Enneagram too. And when I met her, I was like, do you ever go to eight? Cause she's just so calm and like steady. <laughs> um, but she has, her podcast is really cool. Cause she brings on other people for every podcast episode and talks to them about what their life is like, is their number. And so it's great when there's your number on because you're like, yes, that's me. That's my life. <laughs> but it's awesome too when there's other numbers because you get feedback from them of how to interact with that number or what that number might be feeling. Um, Jen, do you have a favorite? Because I know some of those are my favorites. I do. So my absolute favorite for the Enneagram is actually a musical artist. Sleeping at Last is like one of my favorite musicians ever. If my soul could have like a soundtrack, it would be all Sleeping at Last songs. And he actually did an entire album called The Enneagram where he wrote and he composed like the music, the lyrics, even like the uh, musicians he had on for that song to play, like all had to be that number. He did one for each of the Enneagram numbers and it is, it is absolutely beautiful. And then, so sleeping at last, his name's Ryan. He has a podcast as well. So during that series, he would interview Chris Hewitt, who is a 
um, Enneagram teacher. He also has a book. And so Chris would tell about the number, the Enneagram number, and then Ryan would debut this song that he wrote for the number. And that I just felt like even the songs helped me understand each number in a more beautiful whole way. So I definitely recommend checking out Sleeping At Last, his Enneagram songs, and then even his podcast about the Enneagram because you'll hear Chris Hewitt go in depth about each number. So Is the podcast called About the Enneagram? It's uh, Sleeping At Last podcast. And then you oh, just okay. search for the series of the Enneagram. And so there's okay. nine episodes. Awesome. Oh, I'm going to have to listen to that. I've heard the music, but I want to listen to the podcast part. Oh, yeah. I, it's especially powerful to listen to like the one podcast and then the one song with it. Like it really because you'll hear how he has written each one. It's just like beautiful. The the thought he put into it to match what that number was. Like even the time signature, everything. It's amazing. <laughs> so being a two-wing three um, has definitely played a part in my work. In fact, someone met me one time and we knew each other like to the Enneagram and they were like, are you a three? Because a lot of times people assume you're a three if you're on some journey to success, because that's what a three's being is. Um, But I'm a two-wing three. And so it is a little bit different for me. I definitely see the shades of three where I want to do the best that I can at my job. I want people to think that I'm successful, all of that. But it comes into play a lot of wanting to be needed because I will... I I can see it in like my marketing strategy is like, why does somebody need this? How can I be helpful? But it's, it's also dangerous for me if I'm not in health, because then I can get really sucked into that's the only reason people like me is because I'm helping them, them through my business or whatever that may be. So I've had to kind of reevaluate and kind of see the strengths of using that. And then also you'll, if you follow my social media, you'll see, I really try to pull for a lot of that real raw, authentic, like authenticity is really important to me because that's when I'm in growth. And so I really try instead of it appearing one way, which would be a lot of a three mentality of appearing to be successful or appearing life is perfect or whatever. Um, I really try to pull that four piece into my brand and into my business to keep it real and keep it authentic. And I, yeah, that's, I like, that's how I try to stay in growth in my Enneagram, in my business. That's really good. I like that. I feel like my sickness mostly shows up um, in anxiety obviously, and that something's always going to go wrong. And especially with my suspicion of people, like how I talked about a couple weeks ago, I'm always ready for someone to complain about something or be upset. Like I'd never expect something to go well. And so I see that in my sickness a lot. And it helps me to be like, oh, I, I need to be aware of that because that's a tendency for me. Um, I also see the loyalist part of me that I will... I will do courageous things even when I'm afraid because I feel like I live in a natural state of fear. Um, but the powerful thing about that, I guess, is that I do things anyway, like even when I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. And even when like this last year, 
I didn't crumble. And that, that makes me proud of myself that I, I do see that loyalty piece that I will keep going and persevere and I will just pivot and I will find a new way. And I will always um, just keep working at it. And so that's what I try to like encourage myself with is that when I, cause I have this one side of myself that's constantly like, everything is terrible. It's all falling apart. And then this other side that's like, but you can keep going. It, you could do it. So yeah, that's how I try to bring balance into my business with both of, of those pieces of my six. I love that. <laughs> we highly encourage you. If you found this interesting, you might love the Enneagram. So definitely dig in. Like Jenny said, it, a 30 minute podcast isn't enough. If you really like it, you I, we've been studying it, like we said, for seven years and we're still, I, I was just listening to Suzanne Stabile's podcast just a few weeks ago and learned something new that I had no idea. So definitely give those resources um, a glance. And we would love for you to hop over to our Instagram. And once you listen to this and we'll have a post up asking what your number is, we would love to know your number. number. And uh, that's going to be something we're going to ask our guests from now on their number so that we know how to relate to them if they know their number. Um, But We have loved seeing what the Enneagram has done for us growth-wise and protection-wise and relationship-wise. And we hope that you guys love it as well. Join in the conversation by following us on Instagram at at underscore small business sisters. Make sure to introduce yourself because we love to follow and support other small businesses. And if you love the podcast, we would absolutely be so grateful if you subscribe and leave us a review. Every positive review helps other small business owners to find us. Remember, don't do life alone. We're better together.